morning, folks. Did you know fall is like right around the corner? Did you know that? You know how I know that? Is because I heard this week that Starbucks is selling their pumpkin spice latte already, right? Uh, funny deal, they said it was like 24 days earlier this year than last year, right? And I heard the, uh, it's on the radio, I listen to Sports Talk Radio, and the guy is kind of bashing on it because his buddy is like really into pumpkin spice lattes, right? He was questioning his manhood is what he was doing, right? But I'm like, I dig them, they're okay, they're good. But they moved him up 24 days. They're selling them 24 days earlier than they did last year. And the guy said, why are they doing that? And he goes, I got one word for you, man, money. Like, it's money, right? Just straight up money. And so if you didn't know fall's coming, I know it was like 195 with the heat index the last few days, like just, hot and humid outside, right? But fall's coming, like it's right around the corner and Starbucks told us so, all right? So get ready. Also, the reason I know fall is coming or it's here, it's upon us, is because Connor kind of gave you some rundown of some, some cool things that are happening. It's a busy time of the church right now. Some good things are taking place and I wanna hit on just, I wanna hit on two of those things real quick, real fast. One is the launch for Countryside uh, Southwest next week at five o'clock. Um, some of you are like, we still don't even know what that is, okay? Like we keep hearing about it. We never even, we not even been there. I want to tell you, it's okay, all right? You're going to hear more about it. Uh, God's doing something really cool through it, I believe it. Uh, not last Sunday, but the Sunday before, we had a, a night of worship and prayer just kind of together. We had a, oh, just over 40 people show up uh, for the first uh, for that gathering together. Many of them were people in the church here that came, and I want to let you know that uh, I'm thankful for that. Uh, and people just said, hey, we're here to help. Let us know what we can do. We're a part of this. I want you to truthfully, and specifically this week, church, I want you to pray for that gathering next week, is that it's a great opportunity, uh, not that we're coming to do church better than other churches. There's churches in that area. Do you understand that? But we're coming to do what God has asked us to do. We believe that wholeheartedly. And for some, it's going to be people in the church that are already worshiping here at Countryside. They're going to start worshiping over there because it works well for them. We have an, uh, a lady who is uh, um, a little older in the church. Getting up in the morning on Sunday is difficult because of her medicine. And she said, you know what? I'm going to come to that. Okay? And she drives from clear up north all the way over there on the other side. So I want to tell you, it's serving a purpose in the church, but it's also serving a purpose outside the walls. And, and we're going to see what God does with that. So please be in prayer for that as it's going to be a cool gathering, some good things. I want to let you know that you, the church, you, the church, part of Countryside, people are talking about it, right? Like getting calls and emails. What's going on over there? All right. Like what, what's happening with that? Right. And, and I want to tell you that uh, Baskin Robbins next week. All right. We're going to, we're going to hit Baskin Robbins next week. All right. It's right there in the parking lot. It shares the parking lot. Come with a couple bucks, probably probably 10 if you want something bigger than an ice cream cone, all right? But but bring your cash. We're going to hit, uh, hit that together and do some cool things there. Also want to let you know with that, um, you're going to see through the website and some different things that are happening, they're doing families count. We have two ladies who stepped up and said yes. They're going to do a moms only families count starting in September over there in that space on Thursday mornings. So the cool part is we're starting to see studies spur from that. We got a men's Bible study that's starting to happen on Thursday mornings at a coffee shop directly resulted for some of a uh, couple of the guys that came through through the ministry over there. So good things are happening. Please be in prayer of that. Prayer for that this week. And last but not least, I want to remind you, you see it in your bulletin, you'll hear more. Some of you are like, I just don't even know what the, uh, how does it pertain to me? But middle school, high school ministry starts this Wednesday night, right? And they come in here, and I will let you know, they move the chairs around sometimes, they dirty the space. Our cleaning person comes in on Thursday. It's beautiful. Okay, it's wonderful. But I want to let you know, that number of kids have continued to increase. Like, they've actually seen a spike in some
canceled numbers this summer, even not even meeting regularly because of trips. And there's good things that are happening from that. And so many of you don't even see those kids or see those students here uh, during your worship times. But I want to let you know, please be in prayer for them also, is that there's good things that are happening there. And kids are really um, growing in their faith. And so if you know, I'm going to put this on you, all right? I'm just going to put this on you. If you know of a kid in your neighborhood that's middle school or high school, that means if they're 6th grade through 12th grade, even if they're a little bit older, a little bit younger, whatever that looks like, right? But let them know about what's happening on Wednesday night, right? We want to help make sure they can be a part of it and get here if need be. But most importantly, come be a part of community that we're going to be talking about today more. Is that these students, I want you to know this, that I really believe, and it's, I deeply believe this, they're facing things that you didn't have to make decisions on as an adult to your mid-20s now at, at early teens, early teens. That's not a, not a joke, is that they're being faced with many, many different things that's put in front of them. I heard just this last week, seventh grade class up at Seaman, a girl announced to the class, she was so excited this weekend, that she got, she got to hang out with her wife, okay, her wife. Now, she's not married, but that's the terminology that she's using, right? In the seventh grade class, the kids just kind of looked around and went, <gasps> like, they didn't know what to do with that, right? And I say that we, this is the church, we're going to help them know what to do with that, right? We're going to help them show what God has to say in that. We're going to love people. We're going to bring them in. We're going to just be who we can be that God calls us to be. So hear that. Be in prayer for those two things. Launch a Southwest, middle school, high school students are on the front lines, truly, of culture and shift and Satan's doing a work, but God's bigger than Satan. Amen? And point them to him. All right, so this morning, I want you to grab your Bibles and turn to, go ahead and turn there this morning. We're going to go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 6. Have you ever, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I put a marker in my Bible just a second ago and I flipped it open, had a panic attack, right? And the reason I had a panic attack, because we're in Ephesians, all right? It's not Ephesians, we're in Galatians today. Galatians chapter 6. We're, we had this two-week just kind of mini-series. We started last week entitled Now and Later, right? And we looked at community last, uh, last week and what it really meant to be a part of community and what is kind of the expectation God has for us and what is the okay expectation we should be able to have for others if we are followers of Christ. And in this week, I, I got to be honest, we had this mapped out for, I had it mapped out for almost three or four months now. And as I went through the message this last week and looked at what I had prepared, I kind of took like 90% of it and ripped it and tossed it, right? And kind of felt like God was leading in this direction of what we need to talk about specifically in a situation within community. And so last week, as a real little refresher, for some of you that were not here, we'll get you up to speed a little bit where we're at in this, is that we talked about a few things, and this will be on the screen, that we believe that Scripture teaches us that community is about a give and take, not a sit and get, okay? And what we mean by that is, is that we come to bring something to God, we come to bring something to the community, and therefore in regards to that, what we spiritually bring, what we bring to the table, then because of what we bring, we receive back from others when others have the same heart set. It's not sit and get. So in other words, you're not allowed to be part of the church to come and just go, I want this and this and this, kind of like an a la carte picking. And then we, you know what happens at the end of that, the real reason we don't want that to happen is because you're never satisfied. We're never satisfied because that's not the way God has wired us to be or wired scripture to be. So really what we're doing, we're picking what man has offered and we feel a little bit better about it, but we're never satisfied. And so in community, biblical community, it's really about a give and take, not a sit and get, is that we bring to the table what God is doing in us and bring our questions, our deep desires, our passions. And as others do the same thing, we're sharpened, as scripture says, we're sharpened, we sharpen each other and, and we grow in that. But also last week we looked at these few things is that community is meant to be, be Christ-centric and that we saw that, that Scripture teaches us that the church is meant to be centered around Christ, not about anything else. 
And, and I know that we said that that seems kind of ludicrous, as it seems if you are a church, you would be centered around Jesus, right? But that's not a given. That's not always a given. In fact, I talked to a guy just this last week, had a, had a sit-down conversation with a coffee shop. We're sitting and talking, and he's been coming off and on to, to countryside, and he says, you and I, it's intriguing to me about the church coming. I've been part of a, a, a myriad of different churches. He lists them out in, the back, his, in his life. He says, but it seems like you guys talk a lot about Jesus. Okay? And, and I'm not bashing in any way, but it clicked with me. And I went, I think that's a win. Right? I, I hope we do. I hope we do. He didn't mean, he wasn't even joking in that. He was serious. Is that, and I said, well, that, yay for that. Right? Yay for that. But more so that not, I mean, we want to be centered around Christ, but as we're centered on Christ, we, we begin seeing that our attendance and attention is required when we're in community. Is that being there physically and spiritually and mentally involved with one another is paramount if we're going to grow with Christ. And as that happens, we begin giving our attention more to the needs of others, to the needs of the community, and the needs of our own soul care rather than just sitting and getting, we're coming to uh, a give and take. And so today as we, we see this and we unpack this a little bit, and I, and I want you to turn to Galatians 6, we'll get there, is that there's something that's kind of heavy that we've had to process through with leaders in the church and just as a church over the last year and a half. And that is what do you do when you get into community with one another and all of a sudden the eh comes out? Can you nod if you've ever had that happen, right? You learn about some things about people. You go, oh, so you're in our group, right? Or they look at you and go, oh, you're in my group, right? You're in my small group. You're in my study. You're in my, my community. And then the reality of it is it's a normal thing. It's a normal thing. But at a workplace, if, if you don't really like working with somebody, what happens? You just say hi, right? You say hi to them. If they're just not kind of your type, you say hi. If you're dating someone in a relationship that's just not really your type, what do you do? Now you send them a text. I think we should break up. Okay, that's what you do, right? Completely lame, right? But that's what you do. Or, or better yet, you just tweet it. I just want to let you know I'm no longer dating so-and-so. Okay, that's how they find out. The, every avenue of life, we can distance ourselves from people that maybe create issue for us. We can distance ourselves from situations that we don't quite feel comfortable with. But I want you to know as a church, that's not an option. That's not an option. Is that we can feel uncomfortable, that's okay. We can disagree, that's okay. But the reality at the end of the day is we want the church to be more diverse in where we've come from and where we're going or where we're at than maybe we have ever seen before. You see, and so today as we see this, the community requires us to have an ever-growing discernment for what is of God and what is not of God. It requires that. And I think that's why we get uncomfortable with it, if we can be fair. When I heard about that seventh grade girl uh, share that openly with great love, my heart broke for that. It really did. And not, not just for her, but for all that were listening, for the teacher, for the school, but more so for her, for the other young lady, is that it's not even a matter of is it right or wrong for her, it was a matter of just celebration. And so if we're going to live in community with all different backgrounds of people aiming for the goal to be in relationship with Jesus Christ, we need to have discernment. We need to have discernment of what is of God and what is not of God. 
And see, we will be confronted and challenged in, with our beliefs and convictions, and even there will be a potential disregard for what you think matters to you. And this requires us, requires us, to dig deeper and understand of how it is we can handle those relationships well, focused through the lens of Jesus Christ. Amen? You see, we see this in community that over the last year, 18 months, there has been this thing that happens when we come face to face with people. I want you all to say this word together so you all understand. It's like a, a real word. Can you say sin? Right? Sin. Some of, like, some of you are like, oh crap, came the wrong day, okay? Came the wrong day. Last week he told us we had to get it together. Now you're telling us we have sin. I want you to know something. I'm a sinful person. Did you know that? Right? Because I know you are too. Now, it doesn't mean I'm pursuing sin. It doesn't mean I desire, I wake up every day looking to be sinful. I think the reality is it's a tension that we live in. Scripture teaches us if, we're going to be, if we live on the face of this earth. But the reality of it is over the last year and a half or so, we have seen sin kind of boil its head out through the church in different ways. Right? Now, I want you to know something. I think this is actually a positive byproduct of transparency in the church. I think it's a positive byproduct of when people are real in community that all of a sudden sin, their sin comes to the surface, my sin comes to the surface. But the way the church has to know is we have to improve is well, how do we deal with that sin? What do we do with that? How do we address it? How do we love each other? How do we walk with each other? How do we, here's the thing that I love is, how do we not ignore it, right? I want to show, just show a hands real quick before we open scripture this morning. Um, if someone had a flat tire on the side of the road, how many of you drive by now? I drive by. Right. Raise your hand. It's okay. I drive by. I drive by. And why, and why do we drive by? Because everyone has a cell phone. They don't need you, right? They don't need me. Call somebody. Or you'll hear somebody, well, I would be safer if I just cracked my window, right? And yelled, are you okay? Right? Out the window. It don't matter it's torrential downpour, right? It doesn't matter that there is no donut for the car. It doesn't even matter if they're lifting the car instead of having a jack. We're just going to assume they have a cell phone. They can find someone who what? Can help. And the reality of it is, if you remember, last week we talked about, remember the day when you dialed the phone, it went ring, 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 and it had that busy signal on the other end, right? And the busy signal was is that someone either was on the phone uh, or someone had left it off the hook. And if it's off the hook long enough, or it made the business signal, you actually got in your car and drove there to check on that person. Do you remember, remember that conversation we had last week? If the phone is busy now, it's never busy. It goes to what? Voicemail. And how many of you leave voicemail? Not very many of you, right? A couple of you, if it matters. Otherwise, you're like, oh, I'll get back to him another time. And then what do you do? Shoot him a text, right? Message him on Facebook. My point is this, is that I don't think it's new that the church has to address sin. What's new, what isn't also, what also is not new is that how we've ignored sin in the church. And Paul's going to talk about this in Galatians 6, of how it is that we address sin, but be humble. How do we be honest about sin and not crack our window and assume we yell out in a torrential downpour of their life, of someone else's life, you got it, you okay out there? Right? But instead, get out of the car and walk with them. So today, grab your Bibles, turn to, turn to Galatians chapter 6. We don't do this often around here just because of the nature of the way we communicate, but we're going to go verse by verse today through the first part of Galatians 6, right? And we're going to do this with an understanding in the context of community and dealing with sin within community. 
You see, because Galatians 6.1, and we'll start there today, it says this. Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, who, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch, watch yourself, or you also may be what? Tempted. Let's say that word together. May also be what? Tempted. Now, what I love about this verse, can I say, I want you to say something. I want you to hear this. I'm going to say something what I don't, I hate about this verse, okay? I don't hate God's word, but what I struggle with, okay, right? What I love about this verse is this. It's so clear, okay? It's so clear. That's what I love about it. As it says, if someone in your community is sinning, if someone you know has sin rooted in their life, it says those who are what? That S word. Let's use it together. The word is spiritual. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up with some, with some spiritual people sometimes, right? Like, now, you know, what I mean by that is, is that if, if we asked who, oh, they're spiritual, Okay, they're spiritual. They're the one we called upon to pray during a Bible study. They're the ones we had asked to speak at different things. They're the one who will do anything you ever wanted. And then guess what happens, though? Is you go knock on their door and you sit in their house, you're like, oh, you're like me, right? And at the time, I wasn't really one you wanted to be like. Does that make sense, right? Not the most, quote, spiritual. So don't mistake what this word spiritual means. What the, really the word translates out is those who are spiritually mature, Right? Spiritually mature. And it says, so therefore, those who are spiritually mature, those who restore him gently. Restore him gently. You see, when we talk about this idea of living in community and being around each other in community, we need to know that community addresses sin. It addresses sin. Now, for some, the spiritual who are spiritual but not spiritually mature, right? They will address sin by knocking on the front door, coming in, Katie, bar the doors open, and I'm going to fix you. What's the problem with that is, is they're broken and they've forgotten. We'll get to that in a little bit, right? But community addresses sin. And what that means is, is when things come to the surface and things are, are blind, you're blindsided by the sin of others, we have two options. It's just a pat on the back and just say, well, I've been there too. I've been there too. And we kind of turn a deaf ear, right? Some mistake that for grace. Some mistake that for grace. The other option is, is to sit and listen and walk with them and listen to them deeply what's happening in their life. Over the last year and a half, we've had a number of situations where, i got to be honest with you, the phone call or the email that I got was a blindsiding of someone's sin in their life. I, I didn't see it coming. I was not even aware of it. And in that moment, I had a choice to think through it of how do we walk with you? How do we extend? How do we help? Right? Never wanting the man or woman or whoever it is to feel as though we're condoning sin. You never want to condone sin, but also you don't want to feel like you're the one knocking on the door and trying to fix somebody. You ever been there? Right? And as we develop that culture and community, we begin seeing that, that I began seeing that, wait a minute, we missed it. Now, I want you to understand something. Your sin, you're accountable for God before God with. My sin, I'm accountable for God with. But I have a growing disdain in my own heart and life to not begin believing deep more deeply that we as the church need to start owning where others fall short around us. Where, where is our responsibility in making sure they are being held accountable? We'll talk about that more in a second. Because all of a sudden we see what this idea of walking with others and understanding more deeply what it's about. Because in verse 2 and verse 3 it says this. Paul writes. He says, carry each other's what? 
burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, be there to carry that, to be helpful in that. We're coming back to that in a minute. If anyone thinks there's something when they are not, they deceive themselves. I love that verse, right? That's just like, that would be, I think that's the way Jesus taught. If you think you're something, you're not. Okay, that's the way he put it. I remember going fishing with my dad when I was younger. I got to be honest with you, I hated going fishing, okay? Because my dad never went to the nice mowed pond banks. We went to the middle of nowhere where bugs were more populated than fish. Okay, that's what we did. And it would be August and you get sunburned, you get stung with mosquitoes, all the ins and outs. And there always seemed to be we had to go to the river where there's a, a bank, right? So it was not quite like cliff, cliff diving, but it was close, all right, you know, to get down to the river. But I remember every time my dad's the rule was you had to grab your pole and you had to grab your tackle box. And if you wanted a seat, you had to bring your chair with you, right? And everyone had to carry their own stuff, right? Well, when you're eight and the grass is this tall, why would you even want to do that, right? Like, I would do that. But I remember something about my dad. He made us carry our stuff. He made us carry our stuff. But what he did, though, is he always walked first, right? He walked through the grass and what did he do? He'd tromp it down, right? So now it sounded like it's a, it's a good plan unless you were me and I pulled the tree branch back and I let it go just to see if it hits your brother behind you. Like that was just kind of the fun of the game, right? But my dad would always smash the grass down and we would walk and we'd go and we'd follow him all the way down. Do you know very seldom my dad ever had to carry the pole for us or very seldom had to carry the tackle box for us? And the reason why is because he cleared the path ahead of us. He helped that happen. And I want us to see that carrying the burdens for others, sometimes some of you, you get it where you're like, I just feel like I need to help this person. And then you own the other person's sin. Do you hear that? That's, that's dangerous. It's dangerous. Because now you're living vicariously in their world of drama and mixed up, mixed upness, not even a word. And all of a sudden, because now you're living in that, you are neglecting your own walk with Christ. But instead, as the church, I wonder what it looks like for us to blaze the path in front of others for them. Is to make it a little bit easier to understand, we're going to ask you to carry your weight. We're going to ask you to carry the tackle box, if you will, that God has given you, that God has blessed you with, the pole that God has blessed you with. But we're going to smash down the weeds a little bit more so it's a little bit clearer of a path. And it doesn't mean you're not going to get poked, you're not going to be stuck, not going to get stung. But what you are going to do is have a greater opportunity of walking forward with Christ. Because when he says this, if we can get the, screen back, the verse back on the screen. It says, carry each other's burdens as in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks there's something when they are not, they deceive themselves. In other words, sometimes what we can fall into the trap is, if we're the one helping somebody, if we're the one that someone comes to, and I've seen this happen, and I want to let you know, this is not spiritual maturity, this is spiritual immaturity, is if someone comes to you and confesses their sin or confesses their struggles, and all of a sudden you go, you kind of puff up, right? You puff up a little bit. And the reason you puff up is because you go, I don't struggle with that. I've never sinned by that. I never sinned like that. I never have done that. But I can help them. What Paul writes here to the church, he says, don't think you're better than you are. You're not. You're no better than anything else, than anyone else has ever sinned. The difference is whether you're pursuing Christ. That's the definition of spiritual maturity. Do you hear that? I want you to do this. I want you to nod this morning. It does not make you spiritually mature if you've read the Bible from cover to cover. Nod your head, right? It does not make you spiritually mature if you have led a Bible study. Nod your head. Do you know sometimes the church asks you to lead a Bible study because no one else will? 
take, we won't do that to you, I promise, all right? But sometimes you're asked to be a part of things because no one else will do it. We call that fogging the mirror. That's not spiritual maturity, all right? So don't buy into it. Just because you've been asked to lead something by someone, remember this, this is key. A guy told me this one time. It's not that you got asked to lead something. Make sure you understand, remember who it is that asked you to lead it, okay? Does that make sense? Right? So sometimes if someone who's not spiritually mature is asking you to do something, you're like, I'm, I really have some, some, uh, some, I'm pretty mature. Right? No, 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 no. Maturity is when we can see that the sin in our life is what separated us from God and only Jesus has restored us. Only Jesus has restored us and we lean in and we pursue that. You see, also community is meant to be a safe place to grow. A place to grow. Verse 4 tells us this. It says, each one of you should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone, what? To someone else, right? I'm going to raise your hand. Do you ever compare yourself to anything? Right? Right? People are like, every day I get up, right? Compare yourself. I mean, how many of you flip through social media and you just, man, I want their life. Like, I just wish I had their life. One of the families that we tried to help this year that just had sin blow up in their face, I remember hearing from one of the wives, she said, I, I never thought we would deal with this. I thought we were the ones that everyone else looked at. Right? You hear what that is? <laughs> it's comparison. It's comparison. It's not that they were comparing, they were actually hope, thinking everyone else was comparing their life off their life. You see, I say this, community is a place to grow and safe, a safe place. And the reason it's meant to be a place to grow and place to, a safe place to grow is because it's got to be a place that you can come and bring your questions. If you ask yourself the question, am I in a home group that actually is healthy? Here's the, one of the first things you can find out about the health of your home group. Can you be honest in your questioning of God? Can you be honest with the sin that you have in your life? Can you be honest to question other people? Or is it okay for others to question you? You see, because community is meant to be a safe place to grow. And comparison can be the thing that squelches it. See, the fastest way to kill something is to compare it to something else. Did you know that? The fastest way to kill something is to compare it to something else. And if you feel as though that you're growing in Christ, that you're walking with God, you want to kill that and squelch the growth that's happening, compare it to someone else's walk with Christ. You'll squelch it. Because God is walking with us individually his Holy Spirit with us individually and corporately, but we must not compare to one another. You see, and last but not least this morning, spiritual accountability is needed. I want to, before we read this passage, I just want to use this word accountability and talk about this real quick. Is that I've been blessed to have some guys in my life that some are here, but more are around, right? That are either pastors or leaders in other ways. And, 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 here, and the reality of it is that sometimes you need accountability close, you need accountability from far. Like you, you need people to look at life that doesn't live with you day in and day out. And other times you need people who live with you day in and day out to speak into your life. And I have to tell you, for a long, life, long, way, long time in my life, I didn't have a lot of deep accountability. I had people who would ask me questions, more of like, how are you doing? You know that accountability question? That's not an accountability question, all right? That's more, that's, that's lame. Like, how are you doing? Pretty good, good, doing well, right? Yeah. Your, your, your kids look good, thanks, man. Uh, and your name is, right? Your name is. 
But, but as I've developed these guys around me a little bit on a deeper level, I begin seeing that spiritual accountability I used to thought was something that was suggested. Can I be honest with you in that? It's something that people needed that were sinners. <laughs> there are people who were needed that were dealing with sin in their life. Spiritual accountability, I thought, was something previous to getting into ministry, is that it was something that people, that, that the guy in the front row or the woman in the back row needed that really was struggling with something. But rather, as I grew and began to look at what Scripture has to say, the reason why many people fall off the ship is because they didn't have spiritual accountability. The reason why that we all need it is not so that we just tend to the darkest places in our heart, but it's so that we can tend to the day in and day out grind that Satan picks at you little by little by little. You see, because verse five or verse four, it tells us, or verse five, it says this: it "says For each one should carry their own what load, right? For each should carry their own, each should carry their own load. See, carrying your own load means." Owning your past, your present, and your future. I, I, I want to tell you, I, I struggle with that concept some days. Because I think sometimes God is looking more at my past. You know, like where Satan tells you the lies is the past, right? Like you're not good enough, never will be good enough. That's where Satan speaks into it. In the present, that's where worry comes. Can we just get an amen in that, right? Like I, I'm worrying about now, like later, the, like present. You figure the time frame. But the future, I don't always think of the future. I think of future in some different ways, right? But not, I don't really always worry about that. But carrying my own load and carrying my load and through accountability with others, accountability will point us to our past to know that we've been redeemed. Pointing to the present to know that we do not have what, we do not need to worry for Christ is there to walk with us and to shoulder those burdens and have others to shoulder the burdens with us. But the future also is something we need to talk about and need to address. Because for generations in the church, we give this altar call where people would come to know Christ, right? Like we do the, uh, in some unhealthy ways, it was hellfire and brimstone. If Jesus came back today, would you go to heaven or hell? And people are like, oh no. Well, let me tell you where you would go. Okay, that's what, that's what they would do. And most of the time, we're telling them that they would be heading to hell because they didn't do certain things. But can I, be, can I be fair in this with you? I'm learning more and more that community has an eternal peace to it that we don't speak to all the time. The community living with brothers and sisters in Christ and living with God and walking and living with the Holy Spirit in us is a completely communal, a communal thing. And when we discount community here on this side of heaven, we begin to discount community on where? Each, the next steps in eternity. And I, and I don't know about you, but I think sometimes I, I fall into this trap. I'll be like, if we just get to heaven, there's going to be worship music, Right? I have my mansion on a hill. That's in a hymn somewhere, I'm sure, right? Streets are gold. People are going to be high-fiving and laughing. Every church is in their own line, okay, right? And I mean, it's going to be a great experience. We only have to talk to the people you want to talk to, and I bet mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be like a utopic society. The reality of it is that it teaches us in Scripture there will be no sin, there will be no tears, there will be no crying, there will be no, no death. But it's not because of you and it's not because of me. It's because of God himself. And so in that today, when we see that spiritual accountability is needed, I want to give you this encouragement as the band comes. I just want to, I'm going to pose two questions to you, rhetorical questions you chew on them this week. Do you have someone who can say anything to you and you will listen? I don't mean you like it. <laughs> I don't mean you go, yes, tell me more of how much I 
I'm bad at this, right? But do you have someone that can speak into your life and say anything and you can listen, right? Now, now as you chew on that and you process that answer, I give you a follow-up question. Do you have a group of people, more than one person, that you can do the same thing with? Because I I want you to know, I think we all need the one-on-one, but I think there's something about Jesus calling James and John and Peter with him. I think he did something there that as I've been praying through this and reading through it, I think he did something by calling three guys to come with him. Not just, not for his benefit as much, but for when he left, there was three that were together. So that way, if, and if Peter says something off the cuff, which Peter is known to do in Scripture, right? John can re- rebuke and say, I don't know about that, Peter. And James can either be the in-between or the disagreeer or take a, take a side to redirect. And I say that is because for some, you've, you've, been, you've kind of been thinking or been trained in some way by, I don't know if it's osmosis or what, but being together with other people outside of Sunday morning in a Christian community is kind of like an elective, right? It's what we choose to do if we want to be like more than just like churchy people. I want you to know I don't think it's about being more than churchy. I think it's about what God calls us to, of being around brothers and sisters who can speak into us. And that we can speak into them. And that we can listen. And they can listen to us. But all based off the center, centered around who? Together? Jesus. You see, as the band gets ready to play here in a second, this, this fall you're going to see next week we're launching a message series, right? It's a new series. It's going to be four weeks long. It's kind of our mantra for this next, next calendar year, right? It's called Burdens and Blessings. Burdens and Blessings. And what we're going to look at this next year is how is it that we as followers of Christ, how do we see a burden and how do we be a blessing? How do we see a burden? How do we be a blessing? Because I think that speaks volumes into community. I think that speaks volumes into our community abroad, in our, in our city and around, and around the world. I think it helps us train to understand of what it is that God really has done for us and what he wants to do for others is how is it that we emulate that God saw a burden that we had in our sin that we couldn't do anything with? And how is it that he blessed and stepped in and took care of that for us? So this next nine months, ten months, we're going to be looking at this burdens and blessings. It's not a ten-month message series, don't worry, all right? It's, it's, it's a four-week deal, but it's kind of the overarching piece for the next nine months. How do we identify a burden? How do we be a blessing? And so today as you stand up, I'm going to have you do something today. Last week you had to move around, not making you do that. All right, and stand. I want to, we're gonna get ready to, before we pray. I want you to look at the person next to you and just say, "I have a burden." Right? And I want to be a blessing. That was more difficult. I say, "I want to be a blessing." Right? Right? And how do we do that first church? It's in community. Identify the burden. Be a blessing to those around us. And in turn, we will give, and then we'll be able to take. And then we'll give, we'll be able to take. Never come to sit and get. I want you to know, I don't know if there's room in the kingdom of God for sitters and getters. It's not the real kingdom of God. It's what we made it into be. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. And Lord, I believe as we prepare to sing that you help us, 
you have helped us and you continue to help us from the inside out to understand that there's a real, realness that's, that you ask of us and that really, truly, you're only your Holy Spirit can bring it out and share it. Our, who it is you truly have crafted us to be, what it is that we're truly burdened, what burdens our heart, truly how it is we're going to bless others. It only comes from your Holy Spirit. So, Father, as we sing here in this place, we prepare to take communion together. Father, I just ask, as we begin shifting our minds and hearts towards that this year, let us seek community. Let us look what it means to get plugged in with a group. Let's see what it looks like to grab two guys and say, will you meet with me every Friday morning at 7 o'clock? We'll grab coffee. We're going to open the scripture. We're going to pray together and just talk about life. What does it look like for, the, for a woman to grab three other ladies and say, you know what, we're going to meet late at night because that's when it works for us and get together and just navigate life together centered around Christ. Father, let the circles of our influence be used well in your kingdom. Let us, let us demonstrate who you are to those that are around in a very, very, very clear and concise way that is bathed in humility. God, as we worship you in song, let our hearts be that. Let us be humbled. Let us be blessed. And Father, also, in some small way, let us be burdened for those who yet do not know you. In your son's name I pray. And the church said,